This is All Told, from the Washington Post. In this episode, we peer inside the life of Terry Swanson, a 71-year-old farmer and cattle rancher in Colorado. It's in the very southeast corner of Colorado and have lived on the farm and ranch all my life. On his ranch, he births calves and grows them until they're ready to be sold to larger stockyards. We feed about a thousand cattle in the little grow yard that we have here by the farm. This is a fairly big independent operation. Most cow-calf ranchers have less than a hundred cattle. Terry has been very involved in farmers associations, and he's even discussed agriculture issues with ag leaders in D.C. Including Ag Secretary Purdue and President Trump and previous Ag Secretaries. Let's go. But now, his industry, like all industries, is feeling the pressures of the pandemic. Let's go, cattle. Huge meat processing plants have closed or reduced their production across the United States due to COVID-19 outbreaks. Terry shared recordings with the Post from April 28th through May 7th. We joined Terry here as he's getting ready to ship a load of cattle to a larger feedlot in Nebraska. Here's Terry in his own words. Good morning. It's 5.36 a.m. on uh, April 28th. We're getting a good early start this morning because we've got two loads of cattle to ship. I'm checking my file folders to make sure all my shipping documents are in order. Base weight of 850 pounds on the steers and 750 pounds on the heifers. And in my file folder, these are all naturals. Means that they haven't had any. Haven't been treated with anything and no hormones. And uh, all natural beef. And they'll be shipped to a feed yard. Feed yard's going to be in Dixon, Nebraska. Irwin Cattle Company. Here we have cattle being loaded in the trailer. These trailers are long and wide and spacious. 53 feet long. Give the cattle a lot of room to move to for transport. Lots of different dividers so they don't crowd up. On this day, April 28th, the USDA reported 76,000 cattle were slaughtered. That's a 37% drop from the same day a year ago. This leaves a surplus of cattle in feedlots, and ultimately in the hands of ranchers like Terry. A recent study out of Oklahoma State estimated ranch operations like his will lose over $100 per head of cattle due to the current market conditions. It's a frequent topic of discussion these days between Terry and other ranchers in the area. In my office is Ryan Snoffer, and I just bought a couple of bulls from him. So uh, how do you think it's going to affect our economics in the cattle business? Well, right now, negatively. Yeah, uh, big time. It's... Uh, 
and it's also hard to to determine what uh, we're going to have to do in the future as far as maybe weaning calves uh, instead of selling them off their mothers. Um, it's something that we try to keep up with every day, see what, what they're saying about the market and the forecast. Yeah. Well, just like we were talking about earlier, they were... They were killing baby kid pigs, so they didn't <clears throat> grow, and they're trying to cut the numbers down. And, mm-hmm. uh, I know Brian Winter from Winter Livestock was talking on his uh, Facebook page the other day about urging uh, feed yards to put these cattle on maintenance rations, maybe <clears throat> uh, reduce the amount of implants that they're using, and and uh, cut back a little bit from uh, performance enhancement things that they do. Slow growing, you know, just slow growing cattle and kind of get this supply thing under under control. Yeah, it's it's hard to see uh, box beef doing what it is every day and and uh, uh, look at the cattle futures at the same time. Somebody said that the, the packers were making nine hundred dollars a head on the cattle. Yes, and we're losing. Well, the cattle we shipped today probably lost hundred dollars a head. Yeah, and that's that's good. That's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We just feel like we got out of a trap. Yeah, you know, you feel pretty good about it. Whenever you're feeling good about losing hundred dollars a head, that's not good. No. <laughs> well, thank you, Ron. Yep. I just downloaded my cattle at the auction. Uh, wasn't much conversation. Everything's all business. Didn't see hardly anybody around. Quite a few vehicles, but usually you have a quite a bit of activity around. There's one guy came out, unloaded the cattle, did the paperwork. Thank you very much. See you later. A little strange. Farmers and ranchers often keep fuel tanks on their property to save them long trips to the gas station. Here's Terry at his fuel tank. I'm at the fuel tanks filling my farm pickup truck up with fuel this morning. Looking across the way, the neighbors irrigate. We uh, we have a dry land. There's plenty of activity there. Biggest concern that they have right now with the corn is that it's you're planting the crop that's way below growth break even, and in agriculture that's a big deal for us because we need to have some certainty that we're going to at least get our inputs back when we plant a crop or or uh, birth a calf or put an animal in the feed yard. But this COVID-19 and the, World conditions all to get all together and make it very tenuous at best. It's not a matter of, of uh, maximizing profits; it's minimizing loss. That kind of works on a guy after a while. Uh, your mental attitude uh, starts to wane. And us in rural America, I think all of a lot of Americans just by nature reluctant to admit that they got issues with uh, mental health but they exist uh, we have a strong faith base 
and uh, feel like that uh, uh, the Lord will take care of us, which eventually we will. We're going to break for lunch and I'm going to talk to the guys about what we did this morning. I can get them in here. Terry employs ranch hands, some of whom are young. College kids who came back home when classes went online. And high schoolers from towns so small, they've got just a few graduates. So I'm just going to ask, have you talk about what you did this morning. So, either one of you, yeah, yeah. Um, we, uh, I guess we went and checked, uh, all the cattle with the calves and made sure they're doing right and, and look to see if there's any new uh, babies. Do you have any new babies? We had one. Had you know, one? Yeah, we're we're waiting on our, our heifers to finish calving. We're trying to tag those to distinguish those. Yeah. But uh, Colton's here and he's helped us with uh, every summer here for a couple of summers and he's going, where are you going to school, Colton? Uh, Missouri Valley College in Marshall, Missouri. So... How'd that virus affect your deal? Uh, they kicked us out in early April, I believe, and told us to go home and come back to school in the fall and just take online classes now. Yeah. So how are those online classes going? Uh, they aren't the best. It's <laughs> not too fun having to deal with your teachers over the computer. Yeah, one-on-one's better, isn't it? Yep. Yep. And uh, Meredith call me today and they're still going to have graduation at Kim I guess oh, it's going to be kind of a deal like Walter I don't know if you did you see it on Facebook what Walter did out in did? front of the, the high school a virtual deal well they're going to do a virtual thing I don't know whether where it'll be but. so how many graduates would Walter have 10 no probably yeah around, in there. around 10 yeah yeah I think when Miles was in school you know they had like 30 yeah so and that would have been 20 years ago, well, a little over. So it's really, really gone down. How do you know how many Springfield's got? They got probably quite a few. More than Walsh and Kim. <laughs> yeah, more than Walsh and Kim and Vilas all put together, I imagine. Yeah. You know, but uh, so it'll be, it'll be a little different. Okay, well, we'll go get after it. guys got the portable welder going and welding up some braces for our new fence we're building around the farm here. Got the water truck up here and let it all down so we don't have any fires. Grass is tall and really brittle and dry so we got to be really careful about fires. End of day, April 29th. We had an interesting day today. It's been really good. Got a lot done. We, I went in and helped my daughter-in-law landscape and clean up her yard. So we've been trying to do things that are productive but don't cost any money. Uh, we're in a drought and we got a lot of uncertainty with everything that's going on. And so there's a lot of chores that need done and things that we don't have to outlay a lot of cash for so 
we just try to stay productive and stay busy and got to spend the day with my grandkids my daughter-in-law and the three grandchildren are having to homeschool now and they've got about three weeks left before they t- turn them loose but I ask them how it's going and it kind of depends on which one of me you ask you know your dirt bike? Yeah. Have you been riding it a lot since we've had the virus thing? I guess. You guess? Yeah. So more than you would otherwise? Yeah. And how's school going? Horrible. Horrible? Yeah. Why? I haven't got any of it done. Huh? I haven't got any of it done. <laughs> you haven't got any of it done? Yeah. Too much dirt bike riding? He's really smart kids, and they do well in school, but he doesn't like homework very well, so he'd rather not ride his dirt bike. So we helped him work on his dirt bike track. He's got a dirt bike track out behind his house. <clears throat> so Grandpa took some his skid steer and a bucket and built him some new jumping ramps and things like that. So we made about everybody a little bit happier today, which that always makes you feel good. There are four big meat packing companies that own over 80% of the meat processing plants around the country. These companies are selling beef at increased prices during the pandemic, while they're paying less for the cattle they slaughter. For years, the companies have been accused of price fixing, but the pandemic now has brought these concerns to light. On May 5th, 11 attorneys general urged the Justice Department to investigate the packing industry for violating antitrust laws. President Trump asked the Justice Department to investigate as well. Here, Terry visits with John Campbell, a longtime rancher and mentor in the industry. These men call themselves the 1%, referring to the small percentage of people producing cattle for the large packing companies and for the country. And my personal feeling is is that uh, our government is convinced that we need to keep a cheap food policy in place. Yeah. And uh, our, our people, unlike the 30s, have never had to go without. No. We, and and uh, we're fortunate that we grew up in agriculture. Uh, we've had a lot of experience of going without. You know, and, and we can survive. I like to say we're friends with adversity. It, it, exactly. You know, especially in this part of the world. It, 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 exactly. It, it's tough. And, yeah. and it's a tough existence. And But the government is smart enough to know, I think that the average person in, 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 in the public and the consumer cannot do that. Well, they don't have, they're not set up, it's not set up right, right you know, and it's not, not necessarily their fault, that's, it, just, that's just the way it is. That, that, that's, you know? right. And, that's right, that's uh, right, and, and, and that's the way it's evolved. So, consequently, at, at the end of the day, I don't know that there'll be any big push to try to help the 1% of of the population, and I'm talking about us ranchers, to break up a, a, a food monopoly that yeah. that's feeding the, the masses. No. I don't think they want to mess with that. No, no. And, 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 and that's what needs to happen in order to get a competitive environment back uh, back going so, so we can get price discovery, so we can have negotiated sales, just like we do here at the auction. That keeps the business healthy. But when you've got one sector of the business that, that that controls the entire deal, 
But we take all these independent feeders out, it just goes right along the deal and we'll have corporate America feeding them all. Just like they do in the hogs and the and the chickens yeah. and everybody goes by the wayside. I hope it doesn't happen. Well, That's I do thought. too. And I just watched a, a PBS documentary on Teddy Roosevelt. And we just need a Teddy Roosevelt. Boy, you, know, you ain't a kid. In the worst way. In, in the worst way. You know, somebody that can actually has the, the courage and maybe it's it's a different time and maybe it takes a different kind of courage to do that and I'm not smart enough to figure it out but somebody that's got the courage to say you know things are broke let's fix them yeah and and uh, and then the will of the people to go along and say we know they're broke and and we're going to get behind you even though we may not disagree we may disagree part of the time we're going to get behind you and try to do it right know, so. right and then the other thing is we need more than one percent of us producing this food you know i mean actually that's consolidation in in another way you know and that's those yep. those things have have happened and we need more people in our rural areas and we need need it to be profitable for more people right you know so right. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks a lot, John. I okay. appreciate it. After the conversations we've had today and uh, all of the market impact, uh, we do have, you know, a gargantuan mess. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what uh, the Department of Justice comes up with, uh, uh, whether they got the metal to do it or whether they'll have the resolve of Teddy Roosevelt, who knows. As I'm driving along, I'm coming down into a little river valley. Uh, this is desert country, uh, rocks and juniper trees, Buckbrush, but this little river valley, it's on the Purgatory River, and we're coming, it's a tributary of the Arkansas, and it's also uh, really close to the route of the Santa Fe Trail, and in Lahana, where we're going, is uh, Bent's Ford, and Bent's Fort was a trader trapping uh, outpost in the 1800s, so this is country it's got a lot of character and um, the people in it still have a lot of character they're, they're rugged individualists they're survivalists uh, pretty determined to overcome whatever adversities uh, come their way uh, a lot of these ranches are multi-generational uh, been here a hundred years uh, some not uh, some some turnover in the in the community as well. Uh, one thing that I'm pretty confident of is that uh, this part of the country will be resilient and adapt to whatever uh, this situation throws at it. Thanks to Terry for sharing recordings that were condensed and produced by me, Bishop Sand. This episode was edited by Lillian Cunningham and Ariel Plotnick. Want to tell us about your life during the crisis? 
Go to WashingtonPost.com slash podcasts for more information on how to get in touch.